Why don't we continue to lift up the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name. If he's ever worked anything out for you, if he's ever done anything for you, if he's ever paid a bill that you couldn't pay, if he's ever cured you of sickness that you couldn't cure yourself, if he's ever brought you through an obstacle that you couldn't make it through yourself. I'm talking to some apostolics in the house tonight. Why don't you just begin to worship him like he's done something for you? He's been too good to me. I said he's been too good to me. I don't ever want to take it for granted. time we just lift our hands to heaven and just begin to worship his name just one more time before we get into the reading of the word just one more time one more push for somebody one more go for somebody why don't you begin to offer him up a sacrifice of praise maybe like you haven't offered him today maybe like you haven't offered him this week maybe like you haven't offered him this month why don't we begin to offer him a sacrifice of praise never want to, I never want to come to church and it be just that, just be church. I never want to, I never want to come here and, and I leave and I look back as I get in the car and I said, man, I should have, if just, if just one more verse I would have. I'm not chastising anybody here tonight. I'm just telling you what, what I feel in the Holy Ghost right now. I don't ever want to get to where my resting place is on the other side. And, and maybe the Lord does. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he say, you remember that one night. That one night on March the 22nd of 2023. Where just one more push would have changed your life. One more push would have changed your family. One more push would have changed the outcome of your job. One more push in the Holy Ghost, that's all it took. One more time could have changed the outcome of your family and your generations and your lineage and what you could have been. I never want to get to that point. So my prayer always is, God, don't let it be said of me that I could have worshipped you louder don't let it be said of me that I could have worshipped you harder. Don't let it be said of me that I could have leaped or that I could have jumped or that I could have shouted or that I could have interjected an amen or that I could have worshipped you with everything in my body till the sweat was dripping off of my brow. Don't let it be said of me that I should have or that I could have. But Lord, let it be said of me that I left the presence of the Lord giving everything giving everything that I had, giving everything that I had. Amen. 
To all of our visitors, we're so glad that you're here with us tonight. It's an honor to be here. To all of the home folks, surprise, it's not pastor tonight. But I'm so thankful for him and him allowing us the opportunity to come to this pulpit, to stand behind a place where many, many great men of God have stood and to be able to proclaim what we feel as though the Lord has laid on our heart. It's a, it's a privilege. It's an honor. And I know that I speak for many when I say that we don't take it lightly. And I thank you all for, for supporting us and being behind us and, and giving us that extra push we need. I thank you for that. Without any further going, I want to turn your attention to the book of Mark, chapter 10, and verses 17. And as I always say, I'm not going to be very lengthy tonight, but the more you preach with me, the quicker I'll go. I guess kind of like the old engine, the more, <clears throat> the more coal you put on the fire, the faster it'll burn, the hotter it'll burn. Mark chapter 10 and verses 17, a very familiar passage of Scripture, yet very important nonetheless. And when he was gone forth into the way, talking about Jesus, there came one running and kneeling to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Look at your neighbor and say, What shall I do? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and thy mother. Verses 20, and he answered back to Jesus, and he said, Master, all of these things I have observed from my youth. Look at your neighbor and say, I've done all of that. All of these things I have observed from my youth. In verses 21, and Jesus beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way and sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up your cross, and follow me. And the young man answered, he was sad at the saying. You can go back to Matthew chapter 22 and the same, uh, the same instance as Matthew records it says that he turned around sorrowfully and went away grieved for he had great possessions. One more time, I would if you would put down your Bibles and lift your hands with me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer one more time. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in this place. I ask you, Lord Jesus, that you do what only you can do tonight. God, that you begin to move on hearts and move on minds tonight. Let the power of the Lord be manifested in this place. Let the Spirit of the Lord be shown in this place, Lord. I pray 
God, that you would move on hearts and minds and souls and families and spirits in this place. Do what only you can do in the Holy Ghost. We arrest every spirit that would oppose this word tonight. We arrest every spirit that would oppose the moving of God's spirit in this place any further. I ask you, Lord, that you release favor tonight. I pray, Lord, touch my lips and allow me to say and proclaim what thus saith the word of the Lord. In the name of Jesus and everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Amen. If I had to title this message tonight, it would be, Don't Walk Away Sorrowfully. Don't Walk Away Sorrowfully. Here recently, and in the maybe in the past few months, and I'm going to be just real with you guys tonight. I'm not going to, I'm not trying to paint you a pretty picture. I'm not trying to, whatever you would like to call it. But here in the past several months, it seems in, in, in the past, I have been in somewhat of a rut in, in my spirit, maybe in a rut with my relationship with God. Not due to any end, not due to any kind of, um, any kind of, of, of really uh, anything that has bad taken place in my life. Nothing of the sort has happened. But it just seems in, in me and in my spirit, maybe I have become in a sort of a rut, if you will. And I've come to uh, the church and I've prayed and I've prayed and I've fasted and asked God, what is it, what is it that's going on? What's, what's happening? And from almost a 10,000 foot perspective, I see myself in my relationship with God. And this is kind of how it goes. I woke up early to pray. Check. I read my scriptures this morning. Check. I dressed in a godly fashion today. Check. I conducted myself in a godlike manner today and I treated others as they would want to be as I would want to be treated check. I told someone about Jesus today and if it's a good day I invited them to church check. And I'm sitting in my recliner at the end of the day reminiscing on the things that have happened. Have I no, I didn't say anything out of the way check. Did I do everything that God has placed in front of me to the best of my ability? Yes, check. All the while I feel as though I'm doing, quote unquote, my part for the kingdom, but yet I come to the house of God and I feel absolutely nothing. I raise my hands like I'm supposed to raise my hands. I interject an amen in all the right places and as if I'm really getting with it. And I'll even make me a lap around the sanctuary if I'm feeling real good. And unfortunately, shamefully, I walk out of that door with a smile on my face knowing that absolutely nothing has changed in my life. Strongholds are still there. Family members are still bound. Friends are still bound. The workplace still has people that need Jesus. I'm still facing financial issues. I'm still facing health and mental problems. I'm still facing suicide, depression. I'm still facing the things that the world has to offer. Nothing has shifted. Nothing has turned around like pastor has preached and promised. Fire didn't fall from heaven and consume my problems, and more than likely I'll have to face that exact same thing when I wake up in the morning. I'm just being honest with you tonight. Has anyone been there before? I've been there before. And so did the rich young ruler. Everything was perfect. Everything was perfect in his approach to Jesus. You go back and you read those scriptures. 
the very first few scriptures in verses 17 says that he went forth, as Jesus went forth his way, that there was a young man that came running and kneeled before the feet of Jesus. A complete sign of desperation, hunger for whatever this stranger had to offer. He wasted no time getting the answer to his one simple question. Throwing himself at the feet of a complete stranger in reverence and admiration to all that he had heard this man Jesus was capable of. Although his approach was absolutely perfect and perfectly and pristine and what proceeded out of his mouth was a completely different story. Verses 17, you can leave it there, Brother Ron says, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? At first glance, this can seem just like a regular a question that says, you know, someone that's eager, someone that's hungry, someone that's desperate, and someone that's genuine. But Jesus saw through it. Jesus saw through it. Whenever you uh, translate the word shall into its original Greek text, it translates to execute. In other words, tell me what I have to do in order to inherit eternal life. Did you catch that? Tell me what I have to do. Tell me what I have to do to make it to heaven. Tell me what I have to do to have a relationship with you. Tell me what I have to do in order to make heaven. Tell me what I have to do in order to make things right in my life and for my family to be saved. Tell me what I have to do. Give me an objective and I'll do it. Give me a checklist and I'll complete it. Jesus then tells him that these things in verses 19, and if you go back and you read, these were parts of the law. And the young ruler responds very quickly, I've already done these things. I've already completed these things. Now we have to remember at what time frame we are in the Bible and, and is it this particular scriptures in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was a complete transition period for the whole world. Jesus was trying to transition people and say it's not about what the do's and do nots and what you can and cannot, but what it's about is relationship with me. That's Jesus' whole ministry was about others and their relationship with Jesus and saving grace and mercy and, and, and that's what the whole cross was about. And what this young ruler couldn't understand is, I've done all of these things. I've checked all of these things off my list. And Jesus says, and the next he says, but one thing thou lackest. Sell everything. Give it to the poor. Take up your cross and follow me. The young ruler, I can imagine how puzzled he was. I can imagine how frustrated he was, how what are you talking about? I've done everything that I know how to do. I've, I've checked everything off. I've, I haven't committed adultery. I haven't, I haven't done any of these things in my life. I, I need you to help me, Lord. What, what are you talking about? Sell all my possessions. Is it, is it a sin for a rich man to enter into heaven? Is it impossible for me to do that? Why are you asking me to sell everything that I have? But nevertheless, the young ruler had the answer that he needed just as often we find the answer that we need when the man of God is ministering across the pulpit. It wasn't what he was expecting, but it was the answer to his question that he was so eager to ask. And when he realized that living for Jesus was going to be more than just a simple checklist, that it would require leaving his old life behind, selling absolutely everything he had, watching a stranger walk around with his fortune, and starting completely over again. Verse 22 says that he was sad 
at the same. He heard the voice of the Lord. He heard what the man of God said. But he left at the same place, sad at the same. And he went away grieved. Matthew 22 says that he walked away sorrowfully. That's not what he wanted to hear. But little did he know the life that he was turning down, a life with Jesus, walking where Jesus walked, being able to witness and see signs and miracles, being able to follow Christ. If only he could have had and looked at an eternal life of what what kind of picture that would have given him. If he could have looked at it through a different perspective, through a different lens. If only he could have looked at living for Christ as a privilege that it was instead of something else he could mark off of his checklist. What would have been the outcome for his life? The people that were lost and died and possibly went to hell because he was supposed to be the one that ministered to those people. He was supposed to be the one that spread the gospel to those people. But because he walked away from the voice of God sorrowfully, a whole life is left unlived. Jesus didn't tell him to sell everything that he had simply because he was rich. Jesus told him to sell everything that he had in order to show that man that his heart was so full of his own desires that it would be absolutely impossible for him to follow Christ and have a true relationship with him. How could he take up his cross when he had taken up his own desires instead? I'm so convicted tonight. I'm so convicted tonight. I sat in that prayer room one Sunday morning and I began to talk to the Lord and I began to pray and just a rush of conviction flew over me and I had already talked to the young people about this message. They probably heard it once before. Well, I know they have. We use a few different scriptures, but it's along the same lines about a privilege it is to serve the Lord, a perception of privilege and what a privilege it is to give God all that we have. But I was so convicted. I said, God, what a privilege it is to serve you. What a privilege it is to give you all the glory, to give you all of the honor, to give you all of the praise. What a privilege it is to walk with the Lord. What a privilege it is to be able to know truth. Lord God, I've made this so, so much, so many times I've made it about a checklist. I've made it just like the rich young ruler. I'm no better than he was. I've I've come to church today. Check. I went home and ate fried chicken. Check. I've done everything that I needed to do, check. I cleaned the church, I vacuumed the carpets, check. I, whatever ministry it is, I greeted the people and, and with a smile and with a, with a warm heart and the right spirit, check. I, I've done everything that pastor asked me to do, check. And I've, I've, I've lived this life the best way that I know how, Jesus. I've done everything that I, I know how to do, but yet why am I leaving feeling like something is, is never going to change in my life? It's all about the perception. Walking away sorrowfully and us walking away from the voice of God. I had to learn it. It's not God's fault. 
It's because I myself am, am looking through the long, wrong lenses of, of what, what I have to do for God, what I have to do to make it to heaven, what I have to do to be holy, what I have to do to be, but to be right in his sight, what I have to do when God is all saying, that's not what I'm talking about. If you'll just pick up your cross and follow me, like he told the rich young ruler, if you'll, if you'll make some room in your heart for, for me and for relationship with me, you don't have to walk away sorrowfully because when you make room for me, you see that it's a privilege to serve me. You see that it's a privilege that you get to live for me. You see that it's a privilege that you can live a separated and holy life before me. Today I'm absolutely 100% convinced that I get to do what I do. I get to live holy. I get to dress godly. I get to live separated unto God. It's more than a checklist to me. But it's a relationship with Him. And it's a privilege that I get to have. It's a privilege that I get to have. And the great thing is, what makes it so amazing and so beautiful is that I don't even deserve it. But it makes living for God so much easier. I'm not here to condemn anybody tonight, but I'm here to encourage you. If we can somehow bind together as the body of Christ tonight and learn that if we can see through glasses and through lenses of privilege tonight and not what I have to do and what I, what I must do, but if we can look through those lenses, living for Christ every day would be so much easier. I'm not saying that we wouldn't have our bad days. I'm not saying that trouble will never arise. But I, 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 when I think of the goodness of the Lord and all that he has done for me, it makes prayer in the midnight hour a whole lot easier. It makes fasting once, twice, three times a week that much easier. It makes repentance so much easier. If all of that doesn't change your perception on living for God, then maybe this will. Maybe this will. The beautiful thing about it is, is that he didn't have to save me. He didn't have to pull me out of where I was at. He didn't have to give me the desires of my heart. He didn't have to share with me this truth that we have and it's so precious and we should carry so dear he didn't have to allow me the family that I have. He didn't have to get, allow me to be born into a family that was raised in this doctrine and raised in truth. And it, it didn't have to be that easy for me. I could have struggled my whole life. And he didn't have to bring me out of the sins that I was in. He didn't have to give me the life and the things that I have to have. And even more beautiful than that is he doesn't need me. Will He doesn't have to have me. He doesn't need me singing. He doesn't need me preaching. Please don't misconstrue what I'm telling you tonight. He doesn't need my tithing. He doesn't need my time. And he don't need me on the pew. But he allows me to sing. He allows me to be able to speak the gospel. He allows me to be able to, to tell other people about Jesus. He allows me to be able to bless the kingdom with my finances. He allows me the privilege and the opportunity to come to the house of God freely without any chains or without any sneaking around and be able to come and receive a blessing from God. It's a privilege that I have to be able to serve Him with everything in my power. 
That's why I'm so adamant about worship. That's why I'm so adamant about praise. Before I preach the gospel, I'm, I'm a worshiper. Before I'm a door greeter, I'm a worshiper. Before I'm a hostess, I'm, I'm a worshiper. Before I'm, a, I'm, I'm somebody that sits on a pew and a, and a good tithe payer or a good, a good saint, I'm a worshiper. Before I'm a prayer warrior, I'm a worshiper. Because he didn't have to allow me to come in here and to be able to give him all of the praise. I never want it to be said of me that I could have given him more than what he was due but God you've been so good to me you've been far better than I deserve you've given me more than I could ever dream about you've kept me from more things than I could ever think about Lord Jesus you've opened every door and you've closed every door that needs to be shut blessed be the name of the Lord I thank you for saving me I never want him to think that I take him for granted because of my lack thereof because of my lack of praise or my lack of responsiveness to the things of God. And I know I'm talking to seasoned saints here, but if we could ever, as the body of Christ, bind together in one mind and one accord, and if we could ever say that, you know what, I'm not neg- I am not negating standards. I'm not negating our truth and our doctrine, but if we could ever, if we could ever get in our mind and, in, and come in one mind and one accord, as I said, and realize that it goes so much deeper than just the cans and cannots, and, and it's not but what it is is more it's more than just a rule book it's a it's a relationship and it's a road to the kingdom of God it's a it's a road to the things of God for my family for my friends for my co-workers it's it's not just the cans and cannots but this book is filled with privileges that I get to carry out in the kingdom of God I have no reason I began to look on the inward man in prayer that morning and as tears began to flow my flow down my face, I thought, God, God, it's a privilege that I can even stand before you and that I can even know who you are. I don't ever want to lose relationship with you. I don't ever want to lose my walk with you. At whatever the cost, Jesus, I never want to. I never want to misconstrue anything the Word of God says. I I never want to. I never want to take it on myself to leave this place sorrowfully because I, I looked at the inner man and I said, you know what? I don't really have a reason to leave sorrowfully. I don't have a reason to ever leave the presence of God with my head hanging low. I never have a reason to leave the presence of God without my miracle, without my promise, without some kind of encouragement from the Word of God. I should never leave out of these doors with anything less than being encouraged in the Holy Ghost because He would have not died at Calvary if it would have been His purpose for me to come in here and leave the same way and waste a bunch of breath, time, and oxygen. But He died on Calvary and allowed me the privilege that I could come into His presence one more time that I could walk into the holiest of holies, that I could leave changed, that I could leave rejuvenated, that I could leave full of the Holy Ghost, that I could leave with my promise, that I could leave with my family saved, that I could leave with that job, that I could leave with that promise that he gave me so many years ago. That's the privilege that it is to serve a living, breathing Miracle working God. 
I could never get off of that. The fact that he didn't have to save me, but he did. I want to come to a place in my walk with God. And I hope that I can teach my kids that it's more than just the cans and cannots. And I know I'm beating a dead horse here tonight, but somebody hear me in the Holy Ghost. It's more than just, it's more than just this and this and this and this. And I've been I've been trying to relay this to our youth class so so much, as much as I can, with everything that's in me. That it's more than just, a, you, you, you can't come to the house of God and worship with a pure heart and with a pure spirit thinking that you have to do it. I can't have a relationship with my wife and, and say, well, what do you, well, I better be careful what I say there, huh? <laughs> I can't walk to my wife and, and, and just and begin to do things for her out of obligation or because I think, well, she's going to get mad at me if I don't do that. Or I'm going to be chastised if I don't make it to church today. Who's going to talk about me if I don't make it to Wednesday night service? Who's going to, who's go, what, what am I, what, what, why are we even doing what we're doing if we're not doing it for the kingdom? Why would I even do things for my wife if I'm not doing it because I love her and because I care for her and because I want to see her prosper and because that's my helpmate that the Lord has given me? Then what's the difference with our relationship with God? Why am I worshiping? Am I raising my hand so that someone can see me behind me or am I making it first to the front because I know that that's just, you know, the right thing to do or am I running to the feet of Jesus because I understand and I know that before anything it's a privilege and I know every he's done for me and I know everything that I'm not worthy of and I know and I understand everything that he didn't have to do for me but he did it because he loved me and he cared for me I come to the house of God not because of of anybody else not to be ugly or to be rude but I could really care less what anybody else thinks because you don't know you don't know everything he's done for me that's why I worship the way I worship. That's why we stomp our feet. That's why I raise my hands. That's why I lift my hands. That's why I run the aisles. That's why I give him glory. That's why I give him praise. It's okay if you don't do that. Maybe he hasn't done enough for you, but let me tell you all that he's done for me. He's been far better to me than I deserve, so I'm going to worship him like I see fit. So I'm going to praise him with everything that I see fit. Don't mind me. Just let me praise. Don't worry about me. Just let me entertain the presence of the Holy Ghost. Don't worry about that. I'll just I'll praise and I'll worship in my own way and I'll get what I need and I'll, I refuse to leave sorrowfully when I enter into the presence of the most high God sometimes I wonder sometimes I wonder and I'm coming to a close if y'all want to get ready I told you I wouldn't preach very long well I guess that was long enough Sometimes I wonder if the Lord looked down on me in my, in my times where I walked away sorrowfully from the presence of God. And I wonder if he just scratched his head and he, 
gave you a word tonight. I spoke to you. I spoke to you in the midst of your dilemma. I tried to give you everything that you needed. But you walked away sorrowfully. What are you doing? And I'm talking to me tonight. I'm not, I'm not talking to anybody else, but I'm preaching to myself. This is what the Lord gives me. And I thought, God, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for saying that I haven't felt the move of God. I'm sorry for leaving sorrowfully. I'm sorry for, for, for whatever it is, God, that's in me that is keeping me from the presence of God. Lord, forgive me. I don't ever want to leave the same way that I came again. I want to leave changed. I want to leave different. I want to leave made new. I want to leave knowing that I bound the strong man over my family. I want to leave knowing that I gave God all the praise and all the glory amidst all the hell in my life, knowing that he's going to take care of it tomorrow morning. I never want to leave the presence of God sorrowfully ever again. He died so that you and I could have that privilege. I already stated that earlier. I kind of jumped ahead of myself. But he died so that you and I could have that privilege. I don't deserve that privilege. That's what makes a privilege a privilege. Something that you're given that you don't deserve. But he gave me that privilege. A bloody Messy Calvary. The love of Jesus is completely and totally. I'm not trying to make this message some kind of lovey-dovey deal. and <laughs> But the love of Jesus never ceases to amaze me. I tell our young people all the time, his love is the only love that's eternal. He loved you so much before you ever took your first breath that he died for you. Not just a regular death, but Calvary. As he began to carry that cross that I think we all too often, we take for granted. And we teach about it so much and we say it so much that we think it's just some kind of that it's just some kind of riddle or some kind of story time, fairy tale deal. But as he really took that cross, a real man took a real cross. And as real blood flowed down his eyes and his face. And as he took that cross up a hill, struggling, beaten and battered and bruised for you and for me. That love was completely eternal. He paid the price completely before you or before I ever took our first breath. And way past death, when you're buried in a cemetery somewhere and the weeds are covering you up and nobody even remembers you ever took a breath on this earth. He remembered you so much that he prepared a place for you.
everything. He did everything. A complete and eternal love that I don't deserve. Again, I'm not preaching condemnation tonight or trying to beat anyone down or bring us way down here on a baseline. But what I'm trying to portray to you is the real privilege that we have to be able to serve a living God. To be able to serve a God that cared enough about me. Nobody has ever loved you like God will love you. And to seasoned saints and to new converts alike, you hear me tonight. Please, if it's the last thing you hear from me, no one will ever love you like Jesus has loved you. Like Jesus does love you. You'll never find another another privilege greater than the privilege that he died so that you and I could have. What's even more amazing than that, and I am, I'm coming to a close. My God, I'm becoming one of them people that say close five times. Brother CJ, you know what's amazing about Calvary other than the privileges and being grafted into the promises? You know what's even more amazing than that? Is that he died for people that he knew would never accept him. He died for people that he knew they'll never accept this truth. They'll never accept it. They'll hear it. And they'll may believe it for a little while, but they'll turn away and walk away from it. And then there'll be those that are raised in it. And then it just becomes another checklist to them. And it just becomes another thing that they do. And they'll turn away from me. And they'll never return. But Jesus has said, you know what? I don't want anybody to say they didn't have an opportunity at the privilege to live a life before me. So knowing that, he still conquered death, hell, and the grave for those that will accept him and even for those that wouldn't. So that all, so that all could have an opportunity, had the privilege of living for God. So that no one could say that tonight I had to walk away sorrowfully. Tonight I didn't get what I needed. That tonight I didn't hear from the voice of God. That tonight there's no hope for my family. That tonight there's no hope for that coworker. That tonight there's no hope for that job. He said, I don't want anybody to be able to say that was the case. He died for you and I so that we could have the privilege to live a life that's pleasing before him. And that's more than I ever deserve. I never want to lose sight of that. I never want to live for God because of some monotonous checklist. But I always want to count it a high honor and a privilege to serve the kingdom of God. Because if I ever lose sight of the privilege that it is to serve an almighty, that will be the day that I'll walk away from presence sorrowfully 
Why don't we all stand tonight? Every head bowed, every hand lifted. Season saint and new convert and all of those in between. If tonight you've made it up in your mind and you've made it up in your heart that I'm not going to I'm not going to walk away from the sorrowfully anymore I'm not going to walk away from the things of God sorrowfully anymore I'm laying aside every weight that does easily beset me tonight and I'm going to seek and find I'm going to knock until it's open I'm going to seek Him with everything that I have why don't you make your way to the front tonight these altars are open there's freedom here for somebody tonight there's deliverance of the mind for somebody here tonight. You don't have to walk away sorrowfully anymore. Don't walk away from this place with regrets tomorrow saying, God, just a few minutes longer and I would have lifted my hands. Just a few minutes more and I would have really praised you with everything I have. Just one more time tonight as the body of Christ. Why don't we just push one more time, God. Oh. time.